Welcome back to the Politics and Bros podcast. This is episode number four, where Howell and I will talk about the news of the week, including President Trump pardoning war criminals, and then we dive into sanctioned versus unsanctioned activities that threaten our democracy. We hope you enjoy it. Where are you heading for Thanksgiving? We are having a little bit of a Friendsgiving. Um, I will be making my mother's classic Southern deviled eggs for those who are mm, unfamiliar with deviled eggs. Yeah, my wife had never had them before she met me. And so uh, I had to show her the fine cuisine. Um, are you, you're familiar <laughs> with deviled eggs, right? Of course. It's, yeah, they're delicious. So. I will They're be eating, eating way too many of those on Thursday and mm. watching football and yeah, looking forward to it. Having a so, long, so Friendsgiving, uh, Friendsgiving. Uh, so my invites in the mail. I I figured you were busy with your your forty seven <laughs> family members <laughs> that live in the like within three miles of you. That is a factual statement. Um, yeah, but oh, things well. are good. Maybe we can hit uh, some Hammond afterwards. Oh, if you're not in a turkey go. coma. <laughs> That that sounds delightful, and you know now that now that sports betting is legal in Indiana, maybe we could do a little bit of little flops, see some flops, and and watch some watch some sports and and put a little money on it. So yeah, that would be fun, cool. Well, welcome to episode number four of the Politics and Bros. Let's just dive right in. Let's get into some news of the day. You want to lead us off? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I think first, what we wanted to talk about today was um the pardon i guess not necessarily a pardon but the um i guess he did pardon him the navy seal i don't know what his rank was what what rank was he but mr gallagher he was a chief yeah who was a chief navy seal who trump intervened in the uh naval process the the dod process to i guess appropriately discipline him after what are pretty well-documented war crimes. And so it turns out that uh, in an effort to try and make the best out of this, a bad situation, the, the Navy secretary of the Navy tried to cut a side deal with Trump. And it sounds like the defense secretary fired him as a result of that. Now, whether or not that was just cause or an excuse to to actually fire him because he objected to the way um, Trump was handling this uh, is to, what remains to be seen. I imagine that story will be told at some point in the future. But um, overall, I think it's a pretty sad state of affairs for the military and our country when a war criminal, essentially, a man who killed and killed. I guess helpless um or unarmed soldiers or without you know in cold blood by all accounts uh is it's pretty pretty um disgusting in my opinion did you have any any thoughts on the whole whole Gallagher issue well for the for the sticklers in our in our in our audience oh yes uh chief petty chief petty officer Edward also known as Eddie Gallagher um yeah, war crimes. Let's 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 run through a couple of these. Pre yes. premeditated murder, 
attempted murder, obstruction of justice, posing for a photograph with a casualty, and other offenses. And he was acquitted on all charges except for the photograph with a corpse who uh, right. came out. He he is the one that he that killed. And this was a ISIS enemy combatant who was yep. captured and in custody by uh, any testimony that I've or seen. Disarmed unarmed. Unarmed. Yeah. Disarmed, and actually he was he was uh, restrained. He had restraints right. on, and uh, Chief Petty Officer Gallagher pulled out a custom made knife that he had brought from home on this tour, and stabbed him with it, and then yeah. held up his head by its hair and took a picture with it. This guy is a psycho. Yeah, yeah. I was going well, to say this after all that, multiple his multiple uh, witnesses, right? Yep. So. You know, well documented. He was not. He was not found guilty of this in a in a military trial, though. From my understanding, when he when it went to trial, there were some shady things going on with the um, the proceedings, and one of the star witnesses who had been granted immunity, pretty much at trial, reversed his testimony and said he did it. And said he did it himself. And since he had had, he, he kind of closed the, the boy's wounds or, you know, suffocated him right there, right? Or something like that. And, um, yeah. there was all sorts of interference, uh, in this trial. Some, uh, I guess really kind of tearing the seals apart as far as an organization. Um, a lot of, a lot of disgruntled seals out there. And it's just, I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's really a, just a sad story about, you know, what it means to be honorable and, and, you know, Trump thinking that, that it's cool to pardon these tough guys. Like, you know, that's, and it's just such a, uh, betrayal of everything that our military and the SEALs stand for. And it's, you know, it's really, really upsetting to me. You know, I think the SEALs especially, and I think special forces in general are, are given sort of a pass for being obviously clandest a clandestine kind of group, usually, not always, but usually, mm -hmm. and are given a lot more latitude to sort of achieve their ends by most or any means necessary. But this is clearly something that kind of, that goes beyond that. I mean, this guy had a lot of complaints from people who were under his command that were kind of swept under, swept under the rug. Anytime it, he was, it, there was a report to his superiors, they kind of ignored it and just didn't do anything. So all of this, he was only convicted of taking a picture with a, with a dead ISIS uh, fighter. And he lost, he went down in rank. He went from chief petty officer to a petty officer first class. And that was sort of mm -hmm. his big thing. And then obviously recently the big debate is whether or not he should, lose his trident. His trident is the insignia for the SEALs. Obviously, it's a huge deal. It's an elite group. If you lose that, you're basically fired from the SEALs. Right. And I think, honestly, that is all... This whole situation is terrible, but what makes it even worse is the fact that our president decided to interject himself into a military justice system mm -hmm. and reverse everything, which is ridiculous. A man who has never, ever set foot on a battlefield... I mean, neither have I. So I'm not about to think that I can, you know, throw myself into the, in with the, with, with which is Navy why SEALs. you would defer it to the defense department if you were president. Exactly. So yeah. leaving it up to the chief of naval operations, the, the admiral that, 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 uh, that commands the SEALs or oversees the SEALs and their activities, um, the secretary of Navy, the secretary of defense, and let them just deal with it and understand and put your trust and faith in them. But Trump has no trust and faith in anybody except for himself and 
you know, his yeah. kids. Right. So yeah. I think uh, no president would before him would ever, ever, ever contemplated doing something like this. No. And it just, it blows my mind that Trump thinks this is a good thing and a good thing for the military. This is awful for the military. This cripples public support and opinion of the greatest fighting force the world has ever seen. And, you know, I think even the Navy's tagline, when you see recruitment commercials for them are a force for a good around the globe or something like that. Mm-hmm. How, how can, how can they run those yeah. ads or, or tell pr- prospective recruits that with a straight face anymore? I mean, it's, it's, just, pro- it's a propaganda it win too for, you know, all of those radicals who are, mm-hmm. you know, using our presence around the world to, to gen up support and, and create even more radicalization. So um, you know, it's just really a betrayal, I think. And, and it just, you know, think about, think about the controversy over Abu Ghraib 15 years ago. Right. Right. I don't know. I don't know what happened to, to those individuals. Um, but I'm guessing they didn't get out of, you know, receive no punishment. Right. I mean, right. they were probably, some of them were probably honorably discharged or dishonorably discharged. I don't know, but, um, think about the scandal around that. And then, and that was taking some pictures where people weren't, I mean, they were humiliated, but they weren't killed and then humiliated. Right. Um, right. And, and this is just, yeah. Um, just another instance of Trump thinking that he alone is the one who can decide things and has no understanding of the way government or institutions work. You know, I, I, I have friends who, who were in the Navy and, and in the seals and, you know, I, I know in my heart that, that, you know, most people are not like Eddie Gallagher and that are in the, in the Navy and in the seals. And I will do my best to, to, you know, make sure others don't believe that he is representative of them as an institution. Um, Absolutely. Which I will get back to later, by the way, about individuals versus institutions <laughs> uh, in our topic of I the like day. It. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, uh, I think the, the, uh, other news of the day that we wanted to quickly touch on are, I guess, separation of powers related, you know, one, I think the, so the impeachment hearings last week, the open session wrapped up, um, should be done unless something happens where Bolton or, um, uh, you know, maybe even. I don't know how they would tie McGon into this, but McGann into this, but unless someone who Mulvaney, if, unless someone else ends up testifying, but I, at this point, I don't think so. And it sounds like based on what, um, Adam Schiff said today that they will be, um, right, you know, kind of writing these articles over the next week, week and a half and presenting them the week after Thanksgiving. So we have that to look forward to. I mean, after watching the hearings last week, I thought it was um, a spectacular testament to the to the professional bureaucrats in in America and what mm-hmm. they do for us every day. But ultimately, I think no minds were changed enough to um, no. make this anything more than still a partisan ep- uh, exercise. Yeah, yeah, there's a report uh, in the Washington Post. I don't remember if it's from today or yesterday, but there's a there's a rumors going around the hill that there's a there's a, several democrats that are getting what they said cold feet on whether impeachment should go any further than it already has so pelosi needs obviously they, she needs 218 votes to mm-hmm. for to 
to push articles of impeachment. And there's some people that are questioning whether or not she even has that. There's 233 Democrats in the House. And she thinks that there's some from those moderate kind of swing districts that just don't want to touch us with a 10 foot pole. And now there's a debate about whether or not, whether she'll even send articles of impeachment to, or call it for a vote. And if she gets it, even do it, even want to go with sending it to the Senate or the house could do a censure vote yeah, kind of thing. I think at the end of the day, there was, I mean, even for me too, just thinking about it, I, I was talking this over with my wife uh, last week. I said, there's no, I hate this. I think we said this in an earlier podcast. I hate this phrase. There's no there, there. Like there's, there's plenty of things that make you appalled, that make you disgusted with the behavior from the president and the people he surrounds himself with. But there's not really a smoking gun. Everything is for, everything is from second hand or third hand or it's hearsay. And well, that's all because that, they, they, you, well, that, that's only the only reason that is is because they won't let the first hand speak to the Congress. Sure. Right. Right. Because, well, and maybe is that maybe that's a miscalculation by by Adam Schiff. I mean, he he could do that, but he keeps on saying he's trying to protect the identity of the whistleblower. No, no, no. no. I'm not talking about that. that. He's talking about which we talking about. They want they Mulvaney would know firsthand. um, And because he was having the conversations, um, OMB was, you know, holding up the aid. And so he knew exactly why Um, Bolton would know. But the White House has banned them from speaking to uh, Congress. So I think that is going to be – they're just – instead of trying to play this game, they're going to um, – they're going to write up an article on obstruction as well. So um, – but I know what you're saying. I disagree with it because I think actually the facts are indisputable and – you know, that's the reason that the house, that the house GOP is not arguing on the merits, but rather process and, mm-hmm. and obfuscation. Um, I don't want to get into a whole, whole discussion on impeachment, but, um, <laughs> cause we could spend several hours talking about that. We could. It's uh, true. It's true. I think it's just, I think it's an important, um, historical time for the separation of powers, um, kind mm-hmm. of seeing how, we fall as a country and, and, and kind of where we line up, you know, this could potentially even embolden the executive even more moving forward. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we will see. And um, yeah, anything else to add on the topic of, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'd, I'd leave it at if, if I have the luxury of not being a member of Congress, um, thank God. But if I were, I would like to think that I would still vote for impeachment just because the behavior alone, I think, is an impeachable offense. And, you know, re- right. remind folks that impeachment's not a legal proceeding. It's a political one at the end of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can take the you can take the facts as you see them and apply them however you want. You know, there's no real burden that has to be met. So right. um, I think the behavior of the administration has gone way beyond any any process norm, any, anything we've seen before in previous administrations and in a, obviously in a bad way. So, yeah, you know, just to, yes. we'll see, yeah. I guess we'll see how this, all this plays out and how this uh, looks like ultimately this is going to have to play out in 2020. Um, right. but we'll see right. if, if Michael Bloomberg can save us. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think again, I, I think it's an important, um, test of a separation of powers and, other news of the day that relates to separation of powers um, was related mm-hmm. to the Supreme Court came down, obviously, for those who don't know, the third branch of the government, um, which is an equal branch, co-equal branch as the legislature, Pete's Pete's former branch and the executive, Boom. my former branch. 
Um, and they have ruled that, um, Don McGahn, who was the White House lawyer who was interviewed for the Mueller report, um, and the Congress has, the House has more questions for him. He was ordered not to comply by the executive branch White House. Um, and there have been a set of appeals and the, the, I think as the district court in DC has ordered him that he must respond to the House inquiry. Now, of course, the DOJ immediately said they were going to appeal. And so now that will, I guess, likely go up to the Supreme Court, which will ultimately rule on essentially, I think, does executive privilege extend to pretty much anything? Um, right. And so, you know, again, another test for how strong are we going to make our executive. And similarly related to that, the Supreme Court also ruled today that it was willing to or it was willing to give the Trump administration additional time to make an argument, I think believe it was till December 5th, to make the argument of why they should be allowed to present their case in full on why he does not have to provide his tax returns to the House. So we will see if they are able to make a compelling legal case as to why they they don't have to, you know, again, another in a long line of what could be potentially precedent, uh, new precedents for executive power moving forward. So uh, you, do you have anything, any comments on that, that, that or the separation of powers issue or anything? <sighs> I mean, no, I mean, it's going to set up a really interesting, uh, when all of this starts to play out and it'll set up an interesting scenario of how this works. But we know that, I mean, even the Supreme Court moves at sort of a, a glacial pace, not because they want to, but that's just the way that it, it's set up. They're so, judicious, maybe. Judicious. <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, yeah. Hey. Well done. Well played. Um, Come for the bros, stay for the zingers. <laughs> but I think uh, the Don McGahn stuff will be interesting because, you know, he didn't leave the White House on very uh, good terms with uh, with Trump. So uh, not to say he has an axe to grind. I'm sure he's going to take great pains to prove that he doesn't have an axe to grind. But it will come up that things were less than cordial when he exited the West Wing. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious. I, I'm I curious. Mean, I, you know, in my heart of hearts, I, you know, the Supreme Court, I think, recognizes that. Um, it has some institutional balancing to do, and Judge Roberts recognizes that and doesn't take his position lightly as Chief Justice. So um, in my heart of hearts, I like to think that they will do what is both judicially prudent and, you know, um, historically prudent as well. So, but to be determined. It's crazy to think about the amount of stuff that the Supreme Court has been taking on this session and then going forward. I mean, this is this is what this is McConnell's strategy, though, right? Like, eventually, you know, basically, don't do anything, grind the the legislature to a halt, and you know, push decisions to courts. I mean, essentially, I don't know if he intended to do this, but this is what's happened as a result. And so that's mm -hmm. why this, these momentous decisions seem to be coming up every year. I mean, growing up, I never heard about the Supreme Court making such, I mean, obviously I wasn't paying atten as close attention, but I never heard about the Supreme Court making such 
yearly important decisions. And now it seems like everything just gets pushed up and up and up. And I don't think that's the way our system is supposed to work, but it's how it is now. And I, I, I do think that um, despite all the politicization around it, that there are professionals on the bench and that, you know, they take that job very seriously and recognize the magnitude of, of their decisions. We can at least have faith in the judiciary. At least that's one institution, I think, that while losing credibility, there is still, it still has it to a degree. So I wanted to go back to something I mentioned earlier as we transition here to our topic of the, the day. Um, mm-hmm. I had mentioned, um, you know, not taking Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher as representative of the SEALs as an institution or the Navy as an institution. And it play, it goes into something that, that I've noticed recently arising more and more in our discourse. And, uh, it particularly came up most, uh, recently with the conversation in during the impeachment hearings. The House GOP kept trying to talk about Ukrainian interference in our election. And they were, they were couching it as a systemic effort by the Ukraine to interfere in our election. And that is the justification for why President Trump wanted to investigate Ukraine and corruption and wrongdoing there. Now, anyone who's followed anything knows that that is just an excuse, but it's the only way they have to really kind of justify the actions that took place on the phone call and around the aid. Now, the reason I'm bringing it up is because Russia, in the lead up to the 2016 election, elections, and as you've mentioned before and verified by 17 intelligence agencies or the intelligence community writ large, systemically from Putin on down, tried to interfere in our elections and influence our elections. So that was Putin, all of his FSB um, lackeys, the SVR, GRU, any any Russian institution that could, did, try and interfere in the U.S. elections. And that is what we call state-sponsored activities, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Um, yeah, it does. So, so with the Ukraine incident, as far as I can tell, now, uh, there were some op-eds, there were some individual activities that were critical of candidate then-candidate Trump or maybe then-president-elect then Trump that are being described in the same manner as the Russian effort to interfere in, in the 2016 election. The, the point I'm trying to make is that that does not constitute, quote-unquote, Ukrainian inf- interference. That constitutes mm-hmm. some Ukrainians trying to influence certain aspects. But what we can't do is, is take the actions of a few and make them representative of institutions as a whole. Um, and before I turn it over to you for any comments, I would like to give you kind of a quick example of, of how I experienced this personally and what the implications could be from not applying the standard properly. So for people who may not know, um, me and my family lived for two years in Israel uh, from 2013 to 2015. While we were there, uh, Israel was occasionally 
uh, subject to rocket fire from the West Bank, right? So they have um, several factions within within the West Bank. West Bank's led by Hamas, but there's also the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, who are also considered terrorists by Israel and I believe America as well. And members of PIDGE, which is Palestinian Islamic Jihad, would occasionally fire off rockets in an effort to um, to kind of maybe get to send a message or get Israel to retaliate. Israel, for the most part, would not because they knew that this was the actions of a few trying to create a broader retaliation or something. However, in 2014, there was uh, an ongoing back and forth between the West Bank and the, uh, um, sorry, the Palestinians in the West Bank and Israel about uh, some teenagers who were hiking in the West Bank and were killed. Sorry, I keep saying the West Bank. I mean, Gaza. By the way, this is these are all coming from Gaza. So um, you're supposed to be an expert. Come on, man. So there were there were, there were yes, there were kids hiking in the west in the West Bank. They were actually in the West Bank. They were killed um, by Palestinian terrorists. Uh, Israel struck at Hamas in in Gaza because they were believed to be responsible for it. Hamas then ordered rockets fired back into Israel, and then it escalated back and forth until there was a full out. 50 day, 40 day war back and forth, um, that me and my family lived through. Uh, it's not quite as bad as it sounds. I will tell everyone that, but the, my point sounds is freaking that, terrifying, dude. My point is that Israel is able to differentiate between the attacks that are uh-huh. part of a more coordinated campaign to either, you know, terrorize or send a message um, or try to achieve some sort of policy goal versus the ones that are the acts of few or a rogue faction. So if they treated every every rocket from um, Gaza as some sort of Palestinian attack or representative of Palestinian policy at the time, they would be constantly at war. Right. So I just think that having these com- – we have to be pay close attention to, to what we're saying because it does have impacts on how we view things. So yeah, I've said a lot. Yeah. Do, do you think a lot of that though is, is – so I mean obviously Israel is an anomaly. It's in a, as a, you know from a geographical standpoint, political. Do you think that that builds a certain level of discipline that other countries – just don't have, including ours, quite frankly. Um, I yeah, mean, I, that's a good point. I had never thought about that. I mean, I think they do have such an existential threat kind of around mm-hmm. them at all times yeah. that perhaps that is, it has created them, created a, uh, a more discerning, um, acumen about, about how they approach things. Um, that said, you know, I don't know, necessarily know that their policy of disproportionate responses is necessarily that advanced, but, mm-hmm. um, I see your point. I, 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 yeah, I, I think, I don't know how, how do you, how do you get around that? Like, how do you, yeah. how are you able to, I mean, even you probably experienced this, like even just like working campaigns or something, right? Like just because a member of the campaign or someone says something personally, 
their personal opinion, it doesn't represent the thoughts of a campaign, right? But it still does. Yeah. I mean, that's the pro- that's the thing too. I mean, there's no, especially in the campaign, and even this on in, in elected politics on Capitol Hill, you know, and anything you say is open to some sort some level of scrutiny. Uh, an analysis and can be used against you, even if it's a, and if, even if when you originally say, say it, make a statement, even if it's, you know, totally benign, it's filed away in some sort of bank and then they'll pull it out when it's convenient or when it doesn't play as good or isn't, you know, it doesn't yeah. age well or something and they'll use it against you then. That's just kind of how it works. And maybe it's a that's, pretty terrible maybe way that's, to live. But I mean, maybe that's just the difference between like politics and, mm-hmm. and, policies right like mm-hmm. um politics can be used it can, these things can be used however you want but like when you're talking about the the other example is like you know just because two people who were having an affair at the FBI didn't want Trump to be president doesn't mean the FBI didn't want Trump to be president right like to politicize the organization because of the actions of a few is extremely dangerous. And I think we, we just need to have more discipline around our conversations, but it's the intellectually kind of lazy way out. Yeah. But that's, it becomes a question of where's the, where's the burden lie? Does it lie on Congress to, to restrain itself? Congress isn't built that way. So unfortunately the burden's got to be on those two FBI agents not to let their text messages be read or, you know, talk to each other about the election in a public way, especially when one of them is involved in investigations involving the election. I mean, I know it sucks and I know it's a bad way, but unfortunately Congress is just by, it's not designed to be a disciplined animal. It's supposed to be, it's not supposed to be, but it is a political animal um, at its heart and core. Um, Everything is politics. But but you're asking, you're essentially asking i mean sure did that you're asking these people to i mean i guess it comes down to so again having worked in the executive branch i i will say that um i don't know if you saw that the fisa ig report is coming out right like about potential mm-hmm. abuses related to the the carter page surveillance mm-hmm. fisa application and um one of the things that's come out is these these chat messages of the lawyer one this lawyer who i guess doctored a a um document after the fact and kind of lied about it it was determined to be immaterial to the actual substance of the application but mm-hmm. um it was it was wrong to do what he did and they've released some of his his kind of like Google chat, I mean, whatever system the FBI uses, they, they, they house all those. And this is something people use all day, every day. And, you know, they, they have conversations with friends about on these things. And right. to think that they're not going to have personal opinions on these. Sure. Uh, is well, th- then that's what's happening is things like that. They're taking these personal conversations. And then saying they're representative of the yeah. FBI. And I, I see what you're saying, but there is, they're holding these people to a standard that doesn't really exist in real life. Yeah. 
It doesn't compute. And unfortunately, especially in the last what, three to four years, we've been kind of caught up in this, this conspiracy theory vortex and, you know, between WikiLeaks and Pizzagate and now, you know, DNC emails secretly being held on a Ukraine server, um, you know, things that have been thoroughly debunked by, you know, multiple, multiple sources who are credible. And, mm -hmm. but for some reason, unfortunately, Congress is made up of people who are elected by other people. And, you know, it's frankly, I mean, if you look at the, you know, the 535 members of Congress in both the House and the Senate, you'd think to yourself, wow, it must really not be that hard to get elected with, with this group of, <laughs> with this group of, I do, I do think that quite often, actually. Yeah. I mean, I I've, I've said this to, I say this to a lot of people when they ask me like, what, it, what was it like working on Capitol Hill? And I say, well, there's, a, I'd say 85% of the people who are there who have been elected are, are full of shit and they don't know why they're there except to get reelected again and, and again and again, and maybe build seniority and maybe, you know, get a bigger pulpit, who knows, and run for something more. But there is that 15% that are actually trying to be there and do the right thing and affect positive change and to do right by their constituents. But unfortunately that's only 15% and the other 85 are the ones that are always on Fox news or MSNBC or CNN, just, you know, spouting looking off for their, next, God knows what. Uh, their next lobbyist gig once they lose their, uh, once they lose their election, if they lose, but don't knock lobbyists, man, come on. <laughs> I'm not saying, I didn't say lobbyists with that. I said, the people looking anyway, um, they're look, they're looking to. I mean, they are. They're looking to feather their own nest. They're looking their, right. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, um, that, that happens a lot, and you know, we've got a, a lot of clowns up there right now on both sides, and they're perpetuating th people who I actually thought were going to be serious. Like uh, you know, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana when he first got elected, I was like, this is a guy. Yeah, he says some weird stuff sometimes, but it, more or less, he is. Uh, going to serve as a good kind of calming voice. Oh no, no, no. He is, he is talking about how we don't know that Ukraine wasn't involved in, in the 2016 election. As a matter of fact, we do know they, they weren't, yeah. you know, as a country, right. Ukraine was not involved and this has been right. debunked thoroughly. And now you're just being, you know, a, you know, a puppet for the Russian security service. Now it's just ridiculous mm -hmm. to me. And same things with, you know, Rand Paul has become the same way. And, you know, I, I think even to a certain extent, I mean, obviously, Devin Nunes is potentially being that way and Jim Jordan on the House side. It's just you're just naming Republicans, Pete. Come on. Name uh, some Democrats, too. I mean, well, the, I'm, we I'm gonna, Democrats are being smart during this. They are. They're putting they're they're showing the message discipline that actually will achieve some outcome here, whether it be impeachment or, or a vote of censure, you know, Nancy Pelosi and her team are going to look at the polls on what's going to be the most palatable for the election in 2020, but something's going to come out of it. And they're keep staying on message. Uh, I mean, the only, I think really the only mess up they they've had so far is trying to force the whole bribery uh, going from a quid pro quo to bribery um, right. kind of talking point because bribery polls better, but bribery isn't really what happened. Blackmail no. is probably more, more, uh, more accurate or, you know, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, they're keeping, they're keeping their, their weaker, um, uh, yes, message voices. folks, yes. yeah, weaker voices are staying in the dark yes. for now, which is a good thing can, if this is what they want to achieve. Can I, can I just add one last thing about this? Like, you know, idea of, of personal, um, versus private, you know, versus sanctioned versus unsanctioned. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the thought of someone going back and reading 15 years of my chat messages um, <laughs> in, while I was in the U.S. government um, is is terrifying. Um, I would probably be tarred and feathered if people saw what some of the things I said. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and and I, I don't think any of it was, I mean, I probably did say things political in nature. I'm sure I did. Um, like that guy's a freaking moron. Um, <laughs> or, but I also probably said some things about people that I don't want out there. And I said some things um, probably that, you know, wouldn't go over too well in 2019. So um, I feel terrible for that FBI lawyer and, and pretty much anyone who has kind of these things that are exposed like that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I really just wanted to raise this topic to say, I've said some stupid shit and uh, we all stay stupid shit. That doesn't mean that we, we are representative of the voice of whoever we work for or whatever we, um, you know, are shooting for. So that's all. Um, yeah. I hope that was uh, informative of pe for people. So lastly, should we talk about what we're into? I'd love I, to talk about what we're into. I can envision this being a uh, sponsored segment one day, and we're just saying what we're into is whoever's paying us the most. But you know, until that, God, moment, God willing, with my, uh, with my, uh, with my, um, whatever you call it, contribution. Yeah. Um, but until then, uh, we'll talk about what we're actually into. So, what are you into this week, Pete? So what I'm into this week, and I'm a little, it's actually appropriate because it only took a week. I binged watched uh, a new Netflix show, Living With Yourself. It's Paul Rudd's new show oh, on Netflix. Yeah, I heard about this. How um, was that? It's really good, actually. It's not, it's not the typical Paul Rudd, uh, you know, thing that we've seen him in. You know, it, it's, it's kind of a comedy. It's kind of, it's a dark comedy. This is a, the premise of the show is, Paul Rudd's kind of in a rut. He's married. Mm -hmm. He and his wife have been trying to have a family, but they're not getting pregnant. He's, you know, screwing up at work and he's just kind of apathetic. So he uh, meets a coworker who refers him to a spa where they scrub your DNA or something like that. It turns mm -hmm. out they clone, they clone you. Um, and when they clone you, they give, they make you make the clone a better version of you. Coexist, hilarity ensues. Just, hilarity ensues, and they coexist with one another in in both funny and tragic ways. Um, okay. You know, it's it's only I think it's eight episodes. Uh, they're about forty something minutes long each. It's actually a really really good show. Check it out. Living with yourself, starring Paul Rudd on Netflix, streaming now. What I am into is uh, I think appropriate for this holiday season. Um, have you ever mm -hmm. heard of the the website the strategist uh i believe i have do they have a podcast i don't think so the strategist is uh a website owned by the new yorker or new york magazine i, I have to double check mm -hmm. but it is essentially a uh gif ever ever changing gif guide so like the 10 things you Ooh. need on Amazon now or the 12 things every four-year-old needs or, um, you know, the – these are the things that Kristen Bell can't live with, can't live without uh, now. Um, and it's always delightful. updating and it's always seasonally appropriate, um, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day, 
Fourth uh, of July, um, obviously now Christmas. Um, great uh, recommendations, usually well thought out, um, almost always uh, very affordable recommendations. Um, great place to, to look for Christmas shopping um, at this time of year or Hanukkah shopping if you happen to be doing that. Um, <laughs> and so I would recommend it. Uh, it's, it's a great place for recommendations. That sounds amazing. Now, do do you does your family celebrate both Christmas and Hanukkah? We do. We are okay. a Christmaka family, Christmas. like like the Coens from the OC. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most obscure reference I think uh, we've had. Yeah. On this episode. Well, we big big OC fans in this house. Yeah, good for you guys. Um, right. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, yeah, that's it. Had fun again. Um, happy Thanksgiving to you and, and your loved ones. Same to you, buddy. Sorry. I won't be at uh, your friend's giving. I'll be, uh, here in Oak park, uh, at my in-laws house eating Turkey. I am making, cool. uh, domades of a lemon which is a Greek dish. I'm very excited. Oh. I'm going to decide that tonight. I'm going to go get the ingredients tomorrow and make them Wednesday night and cook it Tuesday or Thursday morning. That is your deviled eggs. That yeah, kind of, but not really, but yes. Well, you know sure. what I mean? You, that's, know, yeah. that's your cultural contribution. Just Fair as, enough. As, yes. Yeah. All right, Pete. Well, we'll talk after the holidays. And yep. uh, until then, where are we going? We're going to the casino, buddy. <laughs> All right. Later, bro. All right, man. This was episode number four of the Politics and Bros podcast. It was recorded on Monday, November 25th. We'll see you on the next one. And happy Thanksgiving. And now we're going to the casino. What could possibly go wrong?